I took notes. I took notes last week for things that weren't talked about. Yeah. Uh, because you guys asked me to. So one of them is Nick went to an arcade. Mm-hmm. One of them oh, is weird. story about stupid song. I don't talk about that anymore. Oh, see. God. And That's one fine. of them is Sid Meier's Ace Patrol. Okay, I'll talk about that. Oh, that uh, sounds really great. It's May 29th, 2013. This is Idle Thumbs 100, I'm going to say 8. It's probably 8. And I'm Jake Rodkin. I'm Chris Remo. And I'm Nick Brecken. I'm Chris Remo. And I'm Sean Vanneman. And I'm Nick Brecken. And I'm Sean Vanneman. Hi, Sean. Hey, We're joined by Sean Vanneman. What the fuck? Well, just because he's on the Ryan Davis couldn't make it in this week, so we've got a special guest, Sean Famous Vanneman. Going back to your roots. I go for one week. What? Well, I'm just excited. Really? Yeah. I want to welcome you back. Sorry, I've been too busy recording my other podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's actually true. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely true. I thought that was a deliberate segue. I did, no, I did too. I was, I was really, really pleased about that. quickly manufacturing a podcast no, that I did with good. Brad Shoemaker and you thought, uh, See, you're Shigeru Miyamoto. Yeah, you're a pro. Oh. Well, no. Well, go ahead, Nick. Oh, yeah. What have you been doing? We recorded what you been playing? We were, we what were, you been podding? Uh, Dota. We're only going to talk about that for the know, duration this, this of like... the time it takes to tell you that we have a new podcast recorded by Sean and Nick called Dota Today. It's unclear, uh, you know, how frequent it'll be, I guess, or I what. We're going to try weekly. Going to go weekly? Yeah. I mean, that seems like a big. You sound like swing. my dad right now, by the way. I'm only letting unc- you do this one time. It's unclear if this whole tell you now. It's unclear if this whole video game thing is actually any kind of real job or not. But you know But you sure I, seem to play a lot of them. And just your mom and I we worry. Look, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be creative, but you know, you could always go back to school, get a law degree. You just think about it. It's a thing you could do. But what if I record school? I just played Dota. What if I record? (laughs) What if I record a weekly podcast about Dota Two with my friend Nick? It's a free to play video game. It's It's a free to listen to podcast. (laughs) In corollary with the game, yeah. So, are you going to make good new friends recording that podcast? Maybe some of them could help you get a job. Is my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Idlethumbs.net slash Dota Today. Check it out. Or listen to it on iTunes. It'll pro- it's the podcast is up on the site. The RSS feed exists. It's probably going to take a minute to propagate on iTunes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But check it out. Probably and, sadly much more than a minute. Yeah, it's probably going to take based on our past experience. iTunes. They just you know they got to listen to it a few times, see what they think. That's not actually what it is. I just Jonathan Ives got a really 
chew through it. It's going to make sure it fits the aesthetic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that there just isn't really a person who checks those no, more than a couple not. times a month. There's so, not. And unless I get swooped in the next three hours, it'll be at dotatoday.net as well. That'll redirect. But yeah. Cool. We'll get that as well. Wow. <laughs> Gotta get that. <laughs> we don't want to we, we don't want to dry bomb. We don't, yeah. we don't want a dotatoday.org situation. <laughs> really yeah. yeah. Those yeah. guys told me they want that domain back, so we're probably going to be giving that back okay. at some point here. Go to, go to giantbomb.net real fast, and then maybe <laughs> this, it's still this, funny. It's just yeah, redirect to League of Legends today. So we are Idle Thumbs. We're a weekly video game podcast. You may not know that from what you've heard so far today. Sorry. Are these the new readers we're getting by announcing Dota today? Yeah, <laughs> this is our huge, our huge new Dota audience. The Dota way, Dota way more people yeah. like Dota Two than video games. I've heard that if there's one thing Dota Two players like, it's other video games. So they're probably going to check this out. <laughs> You're real. I played a video. New yeah, you seg. made the joke that I made, new but better seg. than I did. <laughs> What? <laughs> you made the joke that I did, but better than I did. Oh, did you make the Aww, same joke? That's really cute. Yeah, but it was a worse word. Oh, did I hear what you said and then kind of oh, I just said, I just step said, all over it? And I just, no, 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 no. Yours was better. I just said way more people like Dota 2 than video games. Just saying as, they don't like me? That, see, that was... Oh, man. Yes. Too up there in the ether. I, I know, I know. It was yeah, too... It was too you, were gonna, you were going to make a seg? I was going to seg to a video game that I would play. <laughs> I, know, I got drunk for half a second. Wow. <laughs> what <laughs> is it? What no, you play? Oh, man, I played Gunpoint. Or the oh, Gunpoint is great. Oh, it's coming out yeah, in five days. I love it. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it really is good. I woke up this morning thinking about it. Yeah. That's when I know a video game is good that I like. So this guy, Tom Francis, who's been writing for PC Gamer for years, he's a really talented writer. Um, he writes on his own blog as well, Pentadact. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Pentadact. He has been in his spare time over the last three years developing a game in Game Maker, the first game he's ever made called Gunpoint. And it's a really, really cool uh, side-scrolling game where you have to infiltrate buildings and steal documents by kind of jumping from wall to wall, breaking through windows, uh, hacking into uh, electrical systems and um, camera, like closed-circuit um, television systems and so on and kind of distracting guards it's really 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 good it's incredibly good yeah it also has dialogue trees in it which i like oh not the version i've played oh man release version dialogue trees wow. you do you go through interactive dialogues in between the missions with whoever's assigning oh, no, i you saw that. some of that yeah. that's awesome yeah i, I have, mean i, I have played this i have i'm not even i'm not gonna say any like qualitative i'm not gonna levy any criticism but uh because I've only played through the free demo, which is available um, at the site, gunpointgame.com, yes. maybe? Yes. Yes. So you can buy it there. You can also buy it on Steam mm-hmm. right now. It comes out in five days, and you can pay for it in either of those places. But And there's also a special edition and then a super mm-hmm. special edition. He did a whole... I bought the super special one no, because even in the... <laughs> well, it's just I've, I've already played this game a lot just in the sort of IGF builds and like various things over the years. And it seriously is, one to me, one of the best designed igf games uh, of yeah. the last several years like mm-hmm. it's i it's up there for me with like ftl and games that just have such a re, like a rock solid sense of design this game them. definitely hits the same sort of like happiness vector that ftl yeah did. Mm-hmm. but Even way, though it's completely but way less game. brutal it's not a brutal yeah. game no, no, like no. FTL but is. i kept coming back to ftl yeah. and thinking about ftl and uh-huh. me too having yeah, my wife say are you playing that game again yeah. with ftl right so yeah. i've only seen Hey guys, it's me, Jake. Um, You're gonna <laughs> love the shit out of this game. I know. Yeah, I think you are gonna like this game. I, I I saw a minute of it, either someone playing it or around here or just a video. But the general gist of this game is what exactly? Like I saw, 
it has stealth style. There's guards mm-hmm. on patrol, and you can yeah. duck into the shadows in the background, mm-hmm. kind of like Mark of the Ninja, I think. But then also you can rewire security cameras. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the hacking demo that I saw was rewiring a motion detector or yeah. a security mm-hmm. camera to then make a door open instead, so that a character who wasn't yeah. you would open a door. That, yeah, that's that's I do that all the time. Brilliant, brilliant part of this game. Anything yeah. that triggers a system, like a, a light switch that turns on a light or something that locks a door. Those things can all be connected from anything to anything. So you can, you know, you can, someone so can. the light switch can make, can, yeah, can turn on a light or I can open a door. You know that there's like a locked door something. behind this guard, right? That has right. a computer on it that you need to hack. And you know that if I turn the lights down, if I turn the lights off from this room, he's going to go try to turn them on in his room. So I'll just rewire that to the crazy robot door behind him. How does, so when he tries to turn the lights on, he's actually unlocking the door for me. I do that all the time. Or he's causing the door to like smash into his face and knock yeah, him out. It's got really nice sort of... I know how these, these binary systems work. That switch is going to turn that on. That switch is going to turn that off. And I have a suspicion that the AI will try to turn the lights back on or try to come looking for me or do yeah. whatever and trip this thing inadvertently allowing me to accomplish my goal. It's yeah. got that aspect of it, that binary system meeting an AI system that is just like... And since oh, all of those so are good. just one thing hooked up to another thing, it's all super simple. But, like, the total possible right. number of combinations is super high. But nothing in it is, like, how overly you, complex How do you go weird. into that mode? Sorry, you, is it, like... Oh, it's yeah. just a key you press. So you, it's, there's not spatial relations where you don't have to get you near have the to light be, switch to rewire it? Or You have to be close. You have to be... What, how do, I, forget. I think you have to be near a light. No, no, no. You, you can rewire near, anything. You can just flip the. Yeah. It's, oh, right. Does the game have a mode that's a mode. like hacking yeah, mode? Yeah. Okay. yeah you but just have a cursor but, and you just, you know. Yeah, you're, but the, you're, you're, are, you're still limited because um, there are different kind of zones of wire that you have to sort of gain access to by reaching computer terminals and stuff. Am I remembering all this I correctly? It's to be near a it's switch. It's I'm thinking about it. God, yeah, I played it literally. Okay. It was Whatever like a it is, year it ago apparently that I last seems like it. it's very intuitive so, when you're playing it. I'm yeah. sorry it's, for things I'm saying. Also, around. the hacking system is one of those things that when you describe it to your friends, even in there's no way to use English words to make it as simple as it is. To it's play true. It. Yeah. It's so. It's when you so, play, it, you're like, oh, of course. That's when you how it actually works. do it, it's the easiest. You literally thing you draw could a string. It sounds very simple. Close to draw the line from the light switch to the door, and then the that light is switch exactly what it is. That is what it is. Okay. That's precisely what it is. Cool. But Tom Francis is also a very good writer. So the tone of the game is just like perfect it's just really really nice and it has the thing that's awesome about it is it has this this old school point and click adventure quality to it even though it's a very active kinetic game where mm-hmm. you're, totally. you're moving with a and s across the board mm-hmm. but then anytime you like click and hold a little like power arc builds up and that's like how he launches himself he can jump and sort of yeah, like like sort a frog of golf almost. Mm. style thing yeah almost. yeah it's a great mechanic and you can stick to anything that way which is cool. really nice and then, yeah, there's a funny little story point at the beginning that explains why that why he has that power uh and then so those two things are the way you interact with you get around the world and then you simply just press w like up or down w or s in front of an object to interact with it mm-hmm. but then it has a really nice um the cursor, you cursor things around, so they all have lookouts, which is awesome. Right. Like an adventure game does. And then the cursor also gives you another level of visual information, which is if the cursor is red, wherever the cursor is red on the map means you can be seen where the cursor is. And okay. it goes back to white, you're like, oh, that would be a safe area if I were over there. And it's this amazing blend of something like Mark of the Ninja and Secret of Monkey Island. Yeah, this sounds like <laughs> I don't it's know like how the to PC it. heritage version of a side scroller. It's really yeah. weird. Really cool. You're gonna like it's it. It's really, really smart. I'll play quite, this game. quite quite a bit. Yeah. This is it's this is not a like direct comparison in any kind of specific mechanical way, but it kind of reminds me of um 
of the new Supergiant game, Transistor, not not because it plays anything like it at all, but just in how subtly, almost invisibly, it draws from kind of traditional uh, computer game, like various different traditional um, game genres and blends them into something that is like pretty straightforward, but really quite novel actually and not not common. You know, even though there's nothing about it that's like feels crazy yep. and next gen and it's like complexity. Yeah, it's it's funny that the first thing that I thought of when I saw this game was what is it just elevator action? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it kind of looks like that. Yeah. Right. But it yeah. obviously it has nothing to do with that, but yeah. it's still clearly I don't know that's a stu- it's this I don't know why I'm even bringing that up. <laughs> just the f- multiple a valid levels comparison. of elevators yeah, yeah, and stairs yeah, yeah. and guards, yeah. except that then you instead, instead of just dodging them, you use the vocabulary yeah. of a billion game genres on top of that. But it has that same feeling of dodging through elevators because when you're kind of, I mean, the game is 2D, so there's not actually any real depth plane stuff going on. But right. like when you're in an elevator, the game you're like sort of you're one layer behind, yeah, yeah, one layer behind the guard, and they can walk by you. As a, at least in the build I played yeah, again, it's still I don't that know. way. Yeah, okay. yep, it's still that way. So. Yeah. Did you play? Have we talked about Transistor at all? Um, it's not I a think ton we to talk about. a little bit about it. I liked it a lot when I played a bit. Yeah, I like it a lot too. Yeah, yeah it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, those guys are so smart. I have I I've probably said this before because I say it to everyone because it's it's incredible to me. But man, the super giant guys are so smart. Like I hate it. They're doing. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I hate how they're doing they everything that they're doing. They're doing so well and so cleverly just with their studio as a whole. It's so completely well planned and well thought through. Yeah. It's like yeah. painful to me to think about. Amir is he's Amir Rao. Uh, Amir Rao, yeah, one of the he kind of I guess runs the studio at this stage. Mm-hmm. He is one of the smartest people I've met this year. Yeah. We've, we've gotten fortunate enough to just kind of hang out with him and go to dinner a few times and chit chat. He's giving me good advice about life, <laughs> but that guy, the way he just thinks about the business of games, is feels so for like farther ahead. Oh yeah. Than I don't know. Do we, I don't guess I don't, I don't want to talk about this, but it was in contrast to the Susan O'Connor interview that came out today. Oh, man. Do you want to talk about that? I don't know, not not probably not a lot. Like she said a bunch of things that whether you agree with or disagree with were definitely just oh I know just you're cemented about. in the AAA business yeah. model. Yeah, uh, this is where the money comes comes from. This is how it goes in, and this is what comes out, and these mm-hmm. are the people involved, and this is how many people are involved to do it. And then once the game gets sold, this is where all that money goes. Right. Like so the assumption is, but the implication going on there is like, if you can't make get something achieved in that specific framework, then you just can't achieve it. Then games but are it, stupid. Yeah, but it's. And like, I don't well, think she meant that. Do you guys want to back up for half a second and give a little context? Because yeah, let's let's people yeah. who don't know what yeah, that yeah, story yeah, yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, explain yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, the only reason I didn't give context is so we didn't do we didn't deep dive. But what I mean, we're here we are. Yeah. So I guess. Amir runs Supergiant, which is an independent developer in San Francisco. But this they made interview, Bastion. they made Bastion and Transistor, which is their new game that was announced and playable at PAX. PAX. Yeah, and people seem to love the crap mm-hmm. out of it. It was really good. So independent studio, they own everything. Um, in contrast, uh, there was an interview that came out today on the Gameological Gameological Society. Society, which is that part of the Onion? Still? It's a spinoff of the AV Club. Yeah, yeah. spinoff of the AV Club. So. With Susan O'Connor, who's a game writer of some repute, mm-hmm. who's worked on the Bioshock series, the Far Cry series, uh, the new Tomb Raider, Gears I believe, of War. Gears of War. Uh, she, she's sort of a for-hire um, creative, but mostly does mostly does writing and story design. And in the interview, uh, she was really very, very down on the game industry. And that would be, kind of be the pot calling the kettle black when it comes to us criticizing it for being down on the game industry. But 
and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but felt like she was looking at the AAA game space and her role in the games that she's been on and maybe the games that she's on now or how her role could be perceived to be relevant in the future and basically said, threw her hands up and just said, kind of fuck video games. Right. Uh, And it felt really narrow-minded in the fact that there's a lot of really, really interesting narrative stuff being done throughout games. Outside of that very specific sphere of like highly funded, fully publisher-controlled AAA console game development. Like that's... I mean, that's it's a big market, obviously, but like it's definitely not where all necessarily all the most interesting stuff is going yeah. on. So if that's the only place you're going to look to find those things, you're probably. Yeah, it, it feels like that's that's a complaint that I think is put out about games in general, not just by her, but by a lot of people in general. Mm-hmm. And I, the analogy that's always pulled out, I don't know if she did or not, but is often pulled out is. Well, in literature, that's not how this is. In drama, that's not how this is. In film, that's not how this is. But yeah. I, I, on TV, or she t- seemed or, very, very or television. Yeah. But the thing that makes that funky is that those conversations do happen in film, but mm-hmm. they don't happen in AAA blockbuster film. Those conversations do happen in drama, but they don't fucking happen in a Broadway musical. Right. Like when you're talking about games of at the caliber of basically AAA console, AAA PC, that's like saying why isn't there a story and character in Transformers 2 in my opinion and like if, if you want to do I don't know I, this yeah yeah you can't look at that one little chunk yeah yeah but you know like the everybody wants to talk about other industries the sort of there's the, only the the breakout yeah. mega successes in every other genre like the things that actually bring in the mass audience I think are probably creatively very similar to games like if you like a Clive Cussler novel or you know whatever james patterson yeah Yeah, or anything that's on network tv like you know anything that's on i mean not network network but like you know yeah network television i mean there's there's probably more like right now in vogue in major in big time tv drama is more character and story focused but But like the big bang theory right yeah Yeah. it's just uh, or whatever the things that actually bring in all the money are reality shows and csi but so whatever i think probably yeah i think probably the the one area that there's a a valid point to make there is that within the blockbuster kind of sphere of video games the focus is still i think more narrow than blockbusters in film or something like yeah, you could yeah. have a big is... like Sandra Bullock romantic comedy and that can be a big top 10 like big movie that everyone goes and sees that isn't like the subtlest thing you've ever seen but also isn't an action like explicitly a well, temple action picture that said though if you look at like the top 10 grossing films of any given year it's generally well, like, like your what big action superhero movies what's yeah. doing what well I mean, right now yeah it's iron man 3 right Star Trek Two, yeah. Boz Lerman's The Great. Gatsby. It generally is action. Stuff. I, no, I understand those, what you're saying. Do very okay. well on a, so on maybe a at the maybe at the like, highest yeah. possible revenue yeah, echelon. Yeah, yeah. But there, yeah. you know what I mean. There's still there's, like there's a big section. studio movies yeah. that are not sure, huge, ridiculous action things. Into the ground across. I know. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, just, yeah, I yeah, I was just introducing introducing that as the because you were well, you were running down the entire your whole point. So I just wanted to make sure I got that that perspective in there. Yeah, I mean, I think those are kind of different arguments, right? Because I don't even the thing is is like. Susan didn't even feel like she was acknowledging the long tail of games, which like, does she know gunpoint kids coming out this week? Like not the gunpoints, the paragon of narrative sure. excellence. But yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A very interesting no, I agree. Game. I agree with you entirely. On you that. know, like it it's, feels like it's the year where we have the narrative award in the IGF is the same year that you're fed up with game stories makes it a tough, like, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, 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 I don't know. I mean, I don't need to get too deep into the interview, but it was just funny to see, her make all these really strong arguments about the state of the art. And meanwhile, 
you know, Greg, Amir, and all the guys at Super Bastion. Super Bastion. Super. <laughs> super. <laughs> giant. What are they called? Super. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> super. <laughs> super giant are down the street just making the game they believe in the most. And it's going to hit a really big audience. It's going to sell another couple million units the way Bastion did. And it's going to be their own. It's not going to be an indie darling. It's going to be a legitimate video game, you know? And I think it's it's a weird time, I think. And I think the people who are doing it right, like, to give those guys more credit, mm-hmm. is, you know, people who are silently just making great shit and in control of their own destiny. Oh, yeah. Not to sure. say you can't. I mean, look, like, God knows taking a publishing deal is probably something you have to do if you can't afford to do that and whatever. But uh, it is a time where you can pursue mm-hmm. publisher. I mean, yeah, for sure. self-publishing development. Whether it's tomorrow or you just sort of work your way to get there. And it's really frustrating to have somebody just be like, basically it just might as well have said Susan O'Connor like takes her ball and goes home is what it felt like to me, which I thought was kind of, maybe that's not the way she meant it, but it's definitely the way it came across. Yeah. Yeah. Gunpoint's real good though. Yeah. Fuck. (laughs) You know what? People People should really go back and read. If you haven't read Tom's blog, you should just go into the archives of that blog and read it because it's Mm -hmm. incredible. Like he's detailed the development of that game since the beginning. It's fascinating. Like you were talking about the jump mechanic and just seeing like the very early prototype of that game and just a man in like, you know, just a box just using that leap. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what that game was. And just, you know, he's he's posted such detailed stuff. It's really interesting. People should go. Also, actually, Tom Francis was on our GDC 2012 episode, Uh which was called GDC 12 with blasts. Uh, Chris and Steve did like a 10 minute interview with him about gunpoint, I think. So that's nestled in with a bunch of other gems. So you should check that out, too. Yeah. Did you watch any of his like YouTube diaries? Oh, I don't uh, know a few of them, yeah, yeah. Some of them when he's at his wits' end, and you can tell he's just been oh, yeah. working all weekend. <laughs> oh, no. yeah. God, yeah, he works so hard on this game. I you mean, can tell; just, it really comes through. You can really, 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 really yeah. tell. It's yeah. it's infuriating. It's yeah, really no, no. just yeah. He just oh. hammered away at it. Yeah, yeah. it's really ins- inspiring if you're somebody who likes yeah. to make something. Yeah, in game maker. Download Game Maker. Play around with it. It's cool. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Game Maker presents Spelunky and Gunpoint <laughs> yeah. at this point. Two yeah. really, really Hotline solid Miami, games. And Hotline Miami. Hotline oh, Miami. my yeah. God. Oh, this is what I want to talk about about Gunpoint. Also, just to reiterate a thing I said earlier. <laughs> Good Tom, Tom Francis had never made a game before. Anyway, say what you're going to say. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's real crazy. This does something that I really like, which is, and I was talking about in regards to Monaco, when you get seen in Gunpoint, you die. Like almost oh, yeah. instantly. <laughs> right. And I love that. I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's, it has the hotline Miami aspect of it where it's just sort of like, Oh yeah, that's what happens. Right. If I'm a guy in a trench coat breaking into this place to hack this computer and a, and a guard sees me, he has a gun. I'm not going to live. Well, especially because if you, in a stealth game, you need to either support the scene and not die really, really, really well, or just don't support it. Right. Mm-hmm. You or know, it like, because yeah, otherwise it's just, it gets very frustrating because you feel like, you are supposed to be able to somehow correct if the mm-hmm. game doesn't just end, right. but there's not any real way for you to do so. So then it's just—it's almost a suspension of disbelief thing for me, where it's like I don't want to believe that these guards are so dumb they just go like, "Oh, it must have been some other guy." People, yeah. I don't know, maybe it's my buddy. I don't know. In regards to Monaco, people who played more of it did tell us that you getting seen once you get more familiar with how it works—that is a very deliberate part of the game. And right? You, no, no, and I, I, I didn't mean to bring Monaco into the conversation. I know. Yeah, it I just, just remember levying. That it implies a very different narrative to me, though. Imp- there's obviously i mean in, in Monaco point, it turns into a madcap yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it comedy. goes it goes to the most comedic that like the Soderbergh oceans 11 movies get whereas gunpoint you being seen it is getting shot yeah is like 
the hardest 70s spy mm-hmm. moment yeah. ever. It also just, makes total sense yeah. one guy as opposed to a team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you imagine a team would like pull some wacky like collaborative shit to get out of Monaco yeah. would be just dark if one guy got seen then all the guards just went and circled. <laughs> everyone just killed immediately. Oh <laughs> Whoa! But yeah, the one yeah, guy, you, you just, you want that <gasps> yeah. murdered. Yeah, 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 which is cool. Yeah, uh, it also does something really sophisticated. That the moment you die, like, and it has that sort of like come right back to life the way Hotline Miami does. That's what made me think of it when you said Hotline mm. Miami. Um, it presents you like five auto saves. It didn't oh, have yeah, that yeah. in the builds you played, where it said come back from two seconds ago, seven seconds I saw ago, his diary, twelve think, seconds ago. I think that was the in level. there, and I, I can't remember. That's re- like yeah. this is his first game. Does he? There's a blog post about that. Find it because it's really good. Yeah, that's such a sophisticated yeah. save feature. Yeah, it's really good. Well, if I asked for I that mean, on our games, yeah. Like, I mean, he took he took three years to make this game, which is interesting because so much of that. T- I mean, the game. I think I first played this game two years ago, and it was yeah. it felt pretty it was first in the IGF two pretty years far ago. along. Like it felt yeah, like a game. Yeah. I mean, it was like the graphics were rough. It was before he added in like the new art, but it. I mean it. It felt like a really solid, really fun game. Like the the point at which I was like, "Wow, this this is a fantastic game." That was the two year ago IGF build. So I mean, mm-hmm. since then, I guess all he's been doing is basically just adding content and improving the game. You know, like the soul of the game has been there for years now, well, which is yeah. you know that's that's amazing. It's really smart. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've got one first game. No, it's true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially if it's just you. You know, oh, if it's yeah. like yeah. you as an individual person. Did he do the art for it as well? No, I think what he did was he basically. This is crazy that this turned out so well. I know. He basically just solicited people to to give him um, examples of art and music, yeah. and he just picked. Some, he picked. He's like, oh, I like the look of that. You're the artist on this. Game. Yeah, and same with the composer. Whoa! Yeah, yeah. he exposed a lot of that too. Yeah, he did. That was all he done was publicly. Like, it was yeah, all totally yeah, that's public. That's very cool. Really he just invited people to just send him stuff. Yeah, yeah. turned out amazingly well. Smart guy, that. Yeah, he's also a super nice guy. Really, really, really nice guy. Yeah. Games. <laughs> so I play my game? video game. <laughs> Dotatoday.net, by the way. I think I earned a plug for playing my <laughs> one video after getting shit on. Yeah. yeah. I didn't mean to shit on you. I'm sorry if that's how you perceived it. It's got a little, little on me. Yeah. <laughs> Try to just a smidge. I was just happy you were back. Oh, that's not true. You stepped all over me in the intro. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, well, that's because Jake preempted me. To introduce himself, so I had to. I understand. It was a, it was a, it was a cascade. It's tit for tat, and you you ended up the getting bottom. the shit end of the stick. I'm sorry about that. That's fine. Anyway, I played um, Sid Meier's Ace Patrol on iPhone. Hey. Cool. Oh oh. It oh, was totally wait. coincidental that what. I went oh 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 I know this game and then I went oh no and then I you don't. Went, know you this don't? Game. I didn't either until so basically what happened was about two weeks ago, I was I realized man I never play mobile games ever like I do the New York Times crossword on my phone every day and that's it like I don't play games on my phone at all oh, I don't I even, I don't even play drop seven anymore and so I just signed on to the I signed on to the app store on the phone and like the very first thing was a Sid Meier game <laughs> I was like what what that's I didn't even know it existed it was the craziest coincidence after basically never after not downloading a game on the app store for a year, maybe? Or no, I guess I got Super Hexagon when that came out. But in any case, it had been a while. And uh, and then the first thing I found out is a Sid Meier game I didn't even know existed. So, of course, I immediately got that um, because I like that guy. Um, and I like it a lot. 
I really, really, oh, really okay. like it. You, you've probably put more into it than I have been. I've only played uh, about the first hour into the game. I can't tell if it's good or not, but I like it a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's such – it's such – it's so um, generic. Yeah. You know, like that I it's, – it's hard for me to tell if it's like actually great. But it's, for some reason I really like it. It's a turn-based hex grid dogfighting game. Yeah, World War One. World War One dogfighting. Wow, weird. Yeah. So, so I'll talk about the things I like about it first okay, and then I'll it. talk about the things that I find odd. Um, the thing I like about it is that it actually weirdly, at least for me, for someone who knows absolutely nothing about the actual physics of World War One era dogfighting, obviously. Um, Been playing a Red Baron, huh? I actually never did. I never oh, played Red Baron. Red Baron is not an accurate simulation no, it's of anything. Not. You just hold, that's you just flying upside left. down until you run <laughs> into the hill and then just yeah. Uh, I always assumed it was just like X X wing yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I only played the like Hercules color orange and black Red Baron. I don't know any, oh, any wow. later ones. Uh, I think I played Super Red Baron. Anyway, <laughs> continue. Um, so yeah, as Jake said, it's a it's a hex based turn based thing. Or yeah, and there's just as you 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 have four pilots in your stable and you go on just a series of missions and they're all they theoretically have some fiction behind them and they're part of a like a four-year campaign or the something but it's, is either it doesn't really matter it's mission. just yeah but even that ended up being totally irrelevant to me i just really? killed all the enemy planes and that was like yeah i, I guess that's did. fair um i think there's fewer gun emplacements or something on the yeah, defensive I, ones i don't know those, that ended up just being like incidental terrain yeah that's just you know things I mean? to it's avoid not, yeah exactly like i don't ever think of this shit strategically you only I, it only ends up to me coming down to the pure low-level tactics stuff and uh so you but what i thought was cool about it um that made it feel different to other tact like um some small you know squad based tactical games is that the mechanics of dogfighting are just so different from guys being on the ground you know like you play a hex hex based or or you know rectangle based um tactics game on whatever platform with whatever theme and it's all pretty much just like you move forward carefully or like you're, maybe you're inside a room and you have to – like you go from corner to corner like in um, Frozen Synapse or something. But like right. it's all pretty – It's it tends to – they tend to play out quite similarly right. in the broad strokes. Whereas this game – In the planes, there's always forward momentum. So you can't just – Yeah. And also yeah. You, you have cra- – because there's no such thing as like cover, like other than, than general cloud cover, which is very all or nothing. You're either in it or you're not. Um, there's not like mid cover, all, all the different kinds of things you get on ground. So you you end up just going right at it with other planes, and this is World War One, so everything is like shitty, and and you have to be kind of close up. Um, and so you just end up right in the thick of it with these other planes, and you're you're maneuvering around each other in really really close quarters, and it just feels totally different to me than other turn based tactics games which operate much more like how you just move around the real world like a person on the ground. Um, and I find it really interesting because over time, as you do more missions, your pilots gain access to um, a greater array of maneuvers, which include things like loops and like Immelmans and uh, different banks and like the ability to – Really hard like 180 rolls that do- – uh-huh. like yeah. That leave you um, like upside down that you then have to correct out of in another turn and things like that. Um, and uh, – the ability to reach higher altitudes and like swoop and climb and things like that. And so you, you, it, you end up in the often in relative sort of almost balletic, you know, um, combat situations where you'll be swooping around the other plane and like doing an Immelman up around behind them. And then they bank hard out of rain, out of your, your firing arc. And then you, it, but all within like just a few hexes, you know, and, and it's, 
there's something about it that just I found really seductive and interesting and cool. Um, and so I've played a lot. I've played through a few campaigns. But the thing that is weird about it for me is how strangely watered down like in every way it is. Like I guess that's the – that's what happens when you make a game that's about an actual conflict but you just make the mechanics like it's a fun thing and you swoop around and it's fun. But it extends to everything in the game yeah. like to a, to a weird degree. So one, the campaign – like all the campaigns have actual names based on um, World War I itself – and the locations are legitimate and the uh, the powers are legitimate. It's it's uh, Germany, the United States, Britain, and France. But every single thing is the same. It's identical. It's generic. Right. Your pilots are, are equally likely to be male or female and pretty likely to be black as in addition to – like as opposed to being white, for example. Like this it, – it exists in this weird like kind of utopian – Version like McDonald's reality of like, yeah, yeah, except it's an actual conflict that existed right. at a time. Maybe like of Happy Meal toys, where like for the Battle of the Bulge, right? But everything was like, like a weird. But everyone of, was smiling. Like right. all the pictures, it's like this happy, like multi-gender, <laughs> multi-racial, like group where everyone's smiling. They all look the same. All the places are the same. It's it's kind of weird. It's weird in a way. The mechanics themselves, also, while they're really fun, like just. Like you said, just point to point, making making your planes actually just get in these really tight fights is good. Did you act, how how many camp like how many missions did you end up flying? I would played you say? through each of the like country campaigns once, okay. but they end up all just being the same. How so many, it was like okay, an identical well, my experience. My follow up question then is: How many missions did you actually lose? Oh, oh, very, very few. Right. Yeah. That was like yeah. I've only like I said I've only played maybe an hour or two of this thing, which is mm-hmm. more than you would think for what I'm about to say, but I just, in a game like this, I want to be pushed more than I was. I, but I agree with you. I, agree. I wanted the feeling of I'm scraping by my, by my last like four pixels of health by the end of this thing, mm-hmm. but it was basically all or, or at least like, a mode where you could, a right, difficulty mode. I, I once, I think lost a fighter, but it might be because I accidentally grounded them through the UI. Uh-huh. Uh, but like, I almost yeah. always came back and got the bonus of mm-hmm. greater than 50% health uh, amongst my crew. And it's like I've just wrecked like five guys and a zeppelin, right? And they just- I think in the I don't know how the difficulty curve works really because it all the game all just blended together for me in right. sameness. But like I feel like in later missions in the overall campaign, I ended up losing planes more often. But like it doesn't, it still doesn't end up hampering you very much, right? There's also a thing where you just pay ninety nine cents to not suffer any ill effects from that, which I didn't do because it's already what? so easy. Yeah, I was going to ask, is so much of this based on the fact that it's it's not free to play, is it? Or it's, is it? We, it's kind of is. is it? It's the least obnoxious version of it where you download it and you can play X amount for free and then you pay like 99 cents to unlock an individual campaign or like $3 right. to unlock all of them. So I just, did, I just did that. Though, right? And it was fine. That part was totally fine. Well, you want people that- to buy future campaigns so you make them completable. You know, that's kind of say that again. You want people to buy I don't like, campaigns, yeah. campaigns that you make them completable, right? You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's the thing that always irks me because I almost I know I'm, now that you've spoken about it, I'm like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. I looked into this game and I mm-hmm. bought it, but then I didn't. And I think when I see that cost structure, I instantly just say to me myself, okay, this is ultimately not going to be a fulfilling experience for me. I didn't even because, I didn't even know what the cost structure was when yeah, I, I went in it. and looked. That's yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way. But you're right, Ace Patrol obviously wants you to complete it because it wants you to continue to pay for it. Versus That's a game, crappy. a game that you buy up front, which is going to challenge you at every single turn to advance through it. Right, but like, yeah, that's true. That's sad. Yeah. I mean, I would contra- I mean, here's the thing, right? So like, 
The Walking Dead's episodic and it's supposed to be easy, so you so you beat it. But it's not about that. The point of Walking Dead is to get through it, though. Right. Right. The, right. I know. You know. I just. Whereas I think the point an, yeah. the point of Ace Patrol is to fight a war, which you may or may not win. It's a strategy game. Yeah. yeah. That you're used to having difficult a difficulty curve. I don't yeah. know. I don't or at least like the ability to have one. Right. right? <laughs> yeah. But it it made me think all the all the sort of kind of um the blandness I was talking about and the kind of weird <laughs> like just vanilla kind of social equality, you know, the sort That's of just meaningless. Yeah, no, that was a good point. But you said about the money. I hadn't thought about it at all. Sorry, I'm still oh. thinking about it and I'm sad. Keep going. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Um, it made me think about why that is and like I, I, it made me wonder whether it was something that was specific to the like the iPhone market or like the, you know, the mobile market generally and just like, oh, people don't want a thing that's that is a war for real. They want a happy thing. Or – is it just something inherent to video games or not inherent, but like m- much more slanted that way in video games? Because this is basically the five-year-old's version of World War One. But if you wanted to do the adult's version of World War One, kind of every part of the game would need to rise to the occasion. And that's one, it's hard. Two, it's probably depressing. Um, three. You just made a noise like a hungry puppy. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's an iOS thing. I think it is too. So what's because the version? I think there's, I think the there's iOS of this aesthetic. That's like, that, I mean, I, I haven't played the games, so I don't really know. But uh-huh. I mean, there are there in, are hardcore, theory. you know, right? Games so on, you mean like PC. a paradox game or something? Yeah, I mean, right. those exist. But I mean, that's that's what sure. But that's I mean, why that's is. why I that's why I corrected and said not inherent mm-hmm. to games, but like much more slanted in that favor. Like even you, someone who is pretty into history and like pretty willing to dive into a hardcore thing like we were just talking the other day about paradox games and you were saying how still those are so hard for you to get into whereas anyone can watch the history channel and watch the actual real footage of world war ii or something and and even if they're not a crazy history buff it's like oh interesting Mm -hmm. um is i wonder if there's a version of that my question i was going to ask you is did you play you don't feel that way about civilization five no, but Civilization Five is not really very much to do with actual real history. It's right, a but you don't feel. Like, but you also do you feel the same way about Civ Five the way you do about Ace Patrol? No, but I also think there's a difference between saying this is like a weird, um, broad strokes version of history and saying this is World War One, like it starts this year, it ends this this year, mm-hmm. it takes place in these locations. Like, Civ, you start as Abraham Lincoln in negative 3,000 and found Sounds Washington awesome. in Asia. Yeah, I mean, it is awesome, but I'm just saying, like... Is it a is a criticism? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's absolutely not a criticism um, at all. I'm just saying it's, it, it is, its goal is, like, so weird. Civilization you, yeah. is such a weird thing. Did you play Civ Rev, though? Yeah, I did. I mean, it's the Doesn't same it feel thing. like it's the same... Like, it feels like it just... Civ goes Rev through that, like, that that Play-Doh like yeah 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 and it comes it, out no it that, does it does yeah, but that's the Play-Doh version tube. of already Civilization which is already a pretty like liberal it's already makes pretty liberal usage right of, but couldn't you I feel like you could backtrack the thing is it sounds looking at Ace Patrol I think you could backtrack it to its Civ five or Civ four PC counterpart if it were to exist and it mm-hmm. would still be funky mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be the Crayola you're, bullshit you're, you're version. You're probably right. You're probably and I feel right. like the iOS yeah. machine mm-hmm. somehow, oh, yeah. maybe it's Zynga and Rovio's fault, but somehow that is the de facto yeah. aesthetic. It's probably just because it really is the least risky thing, right? Like, who, like, but is it? I didn't buy it because it, like, but that's not why you, you know? didn't buy it, didn't buy it's, it though, right? I mean, it's the first thing that made me go, oh, let me look at okay, this. Sure, you sure. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. We were talking, we were, I didn't know. Jake and I were recently talking to yeah. somebody who works in uh, free to play games about this and, 
it is like a known issue mm-hmm. at free to play at big free to play studios mm-hmm. that on one hand there's you know things that look like Civ Rev. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, there are actual games, but the hardware is capable. I mean, of, Civ Rev is a is a legit game. I'm, you know what I mean? But there's there, games but yeah, that look. I like, just don't want it to be the default, like because there's games that are way less deep than than Civ Rev. Sure, sure, yeah. I agree. I mean, I also didn't find Civ Rev near as challenging as Civ Five, though. It's Civ not, 4. but it's but it's a pretty it's a it's a substantial game, right? Right, but I think it's dumbed down in its aesthetic mm-hmm. that kind of doesn't it doesn't make you realize it's as deep as it is. Sure, but I think that's a, that's a known that's a known thing mm-hmm. in the. Yeah. realm of free-to-play game or just casual mm-hmm. ios stuff yeah, yeah. sure because the hardware can support yeah whatever you, you want really fucking gears of war on an ipad probably like, i mean the yeah. gears of war is not even the right comparison right like it could support xcom and clearly is because they're releasing that on, right, on right. god what if it right. comes out but and that, it just has like they're all like <laughs> little short like mega block <laughs> guys <laughs> yeah. super deformed <laughs> XCOM yeah, guys. yeah 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 i mean but, but like little x's in their <laughs> eyes and they die <laughs> Yeah, that's you know, like that. No, they instead of shooting lasers, they shoot uh, the plunger stick arrow oh, yeah. thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, but neither. Cork I guns. mean, a thing that Civrev has in common with XCOM is that it also was not developed specifically for iOS. Like those were both kind of console games or like mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. XCOM's console slash PC games that were then. It's like, oh, we could probably also sell this on iOS yeah, and like yeah, would yeah. be fine. But I don't even Civrev, which is the more dubbed down version. I don't think. So, I don't think. Take Two would have invested that much money making a thing just for iOS. No, but it feels like it had a pretty hearty like reinterpretation for iOS versus what it, it was on XBLA. It was a well? it was a sixty dollar console game, but oh, I mean I think okay. but that's where all that art. I mean the art direction all started on. It's the same as the console version. The, oh, okay, it's just not the PC version, right? right? Like the Civ Four and Civ Five are like the mainline PC. Oh yeah, yeah variants, right, and then right. Civ Rev was the kind of softer console version which also came out on ios but I'll, I'll be curious to see how xcom does i also wonder what they're going to charge for that i have no idea that was a full price the, the only quote game. for it was like we see this as the word was not premium but that's just my word of, of oh, the right. month but it was basically like we see this as a premium game and it will command a premium price yeah. was the quote from 2k <laughs> God, it was something like that though where it was Whoa. just like, this as premium game which on ios seems it's like it has command to mean 15 dollars or less because people are just going to go ape shit if it's any if it's any more than no that. i know but, yeah like it seems like 15 dollars is the most you could ever ask for something uh on on an i on an international phone yeah well, the Square games all command a premium price. Where you're just like, I want to play Final Fantasy III yeah. like sixteen ninety nine because that's what the cart would cost if you were going to go buy it you right. know, for you know three yeah. DS whatever. Like, yeah. No. What do you think? No, no. What, what do, you, do feel? you feel? Give us the goods, oh, I Chris. I feel like Sean. You 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 command a premium price in my heart. That's not true. Well. Sixteen ninety nine. Sean goes pretty cheap these days. Uh, <laughs> This is what's the marketplace look like here? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the dumbed down version of you. Oh yeah, good. So, it's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm three feet tall and I'm wearing, <laughs> and I'm wearing suspenders. Yeah, you can barely dunk on Obama. Please, we're going there. Please. Did anyone else? I really believe that, by the way. Uh, the point of that second go. tweet. No, it's really important. No, 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 no. It's there we go. It's important that I articulate something. And I said this to Nick, and I, it's, it's not. And I tried to write this into a tweet like for twenty minutes, and then I just said, "Fuck it, I left the office." Glad <laughs> I killed twenty minutes of your productivity. <laughs> uh, Dan will send you a bill. Yeah. Um, uh, what I think is, when you're Chris voting for a, when you're voting for a president. Should yeah. I put this in context? No. No, just important. keep talking. The context will... So, when you're voting for a president, right? You're not saying... And let's say when you say you, we mean Sean Vanneman. 
When I one American, one a person, yeah. hypothetical yeah. human I'm, American. I'm being less hypothetical and more specific to the person speaking. But when I, the American, vote for president, Sean you're the not American saying man. I want these laws to be passed. I want this policy. I want this platform. Okay, let's not say nobody's <laughs> thinking that. I know, I, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm saying the right way. <laughs> okay, because that's unrealistic. Okay, I think because okay. there's a whole goddamn sausage machine sure. that's got to go there's through. a machine what i the only thing i boil it down to is when the crazy thing happens when the fucking in other words bonkers, specify the crazy thing when the bonkers thing happens wait this is the 3 a.m phone call is yeah it, who, you want, who do you want the guy who do you want to be like hey yeah let's do oh this oh my god it's i think that's really it is it's the it's yeah, like you've got to be more you've got to be more specific <laughs> about the 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 event that is well, in the terms of the tweet, it was like accidentally doing some cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, not a ton. Not a ton. <laughs> just a smidge. What just, did I say? You said just a bump. Yeah, you said you said if I think if Obama did a bump of cocaine, he would he would be able to handle a very difficult geopolitical situation. I no think problem. so. He wouldn't become a different He's person. Still Obama. It wouldn't just, said. He wouldn't just mutate and become a psychopath. All of a sudden, he's Ted Bundy for like until, until he, you know, maybe takes, he goes for a know. run or something. You've never, you've never you've done never, done yeah. coke. With We're getting Obama. into the point now where I think we need Obama today additional spinoff podcast. <laughs> I'm, it's, it's, I understand that the that the foundation of the argument is humor, but you understand where I'm coming from. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I was trying to get to. I didn't know how to articulate that. That's fine. We can cut all this stuff out. No, it's good. It's the best content on the podcast. <laughs> I feel like someone could now splice together a full Obama arc across oh, like yeah. eight episodes or so. And yeah, the Obama cast exists. It would be highly listenable. Would it be premium? Would it command a premium? I think it would command it was, a premium. I think that would be it was premium, on vinyl. premium oh, cast content. Our next Kickstarter. Oh, man. <laughs> I love Love's Kickstarter, too. This time it's all Obama. An uncontroversial Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> I, think he, I think we could do it and be bipartisan. That's the second. I don't slogan. know what the point of any of that would be. <laughs> a bipartisan Obama podcast <laughs> about whatever the hell it's. It would just be like about. we talk talk about our Obama opinions, and some people like. <laughs> I don't, this is not a thing we're gonna do. Some people tell anecdotes that don't exist, <laughs> or they wish existed. I mean, I guess it's inherently nonpartisan in the sense that it has no connection to anything in reality. Readers whatsoever. write in with their Obama dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone play any more Metro Last Light this week? I played the first I really 10 minutes. To play it. I meant to play more and I didn't. Did you anyone... are down on this game. No, 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 no. Don't start a thing. No, the, the, I, <laughs> I, I played Was 10 minutes. Was he sighing about the, it? The, well, okay. I played 10 minutes and I hadn't done anything yet. And so I went the, and the, turned it off. The first, time, the first <laughs> 10 minutes. Now I'm down on it. You like that, Sean? <laughs> the first 10 minutes is tough. It's a really super heavily directed. Oh, I did so much exposition and I was just Yeah, like, I was yeah. bummed out by that too. Kirk, oh. Kirk I think... Made a good observation when we were hanging out with him the other That's day, which true. was basically just like it suffers it's from sequel, sequel syndrome where yeah. it's just like they built up all of their bullshit lore in the first game and now they've just got to deal they with it. And just, just yeah. Yeah. and I it's just the worst because the first game, as I recall, 
started off pretty cold. Like you just you did. You're you're in these environments and it's it was super yeah. immersive and it was super atmospheric. You're in the middle of everything and I love that. I'm so beyond mm-hmm. just walking from like mocap to dude to mocap to right. dude and watching like I was like I, oh, oh cool another animation. Like I don't know maybe I it's because like I've I, seen games I wanted be to made see what at this was point, past but that. like I just don't care and I haven't done it yet. But the thing that I actually wanted to talk about for a second was uh, Russian dialogue on or off. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I played the first game with it on and I liked it a lot because I've heard I and I haven't actually gone back and played the game so this is worthless other than it's just sort of what was in my head when thinking about this because I, I thought about this conversation for a lot uh, we talked about last week you're making a face at me, Sorry, buddy. Sorry, because I thought about this conversation a lot. I thought, like, the one you're having right now. It's like, no, no you're having no, it. No, no, I just, I, <laughs> I had the conversation back and forth in my head about playing a game that was originally made with foreign voice acting in in that original language versus playing an English dub of it. And uh-huh. I think that my feelings on it are very different than in a film. Yeah, for sure. And I think if you think about the voice acting in the game and the actual spoken word, if you put value on it, then it has value sort of as a very, very light piece of the mechanic or the system of the game in that the character that you're playing is able to understand what is being said to him without having to read subtitles. Mm -hmm. And that was enough for me to say I'm never going to play this game in Russian because then... Interesting. Yeah, the, totally it, it, the, the artistic intent of the voice acting is actually less valuable to me than being able to if you know if I'm someone at the developer of that game when I'm testing this game I'm testing it hearing ambient lines mm-hmm. and not having to look at the HUD mm-hmm. and that's like it's very different I think than a film but at the same time thinking about that also then made me realize um like. The, the the thing that I actually thought started thinking about was opera because mm-hmm. opera mm. is that's interesting. Opera has narrative content, but yeah. opera is also obviously a musical medium. Mm-hmm. So what's more important, hearing the nuance of the original language or having your brain just be interpret able it. to interpret yeah, that yeah. without having to pay attention to it and just hearing right. the actual composition, even though you're probably going to lose some of the specific diction. You're probably going to lose some of the rhyming. Yeah. You're at least going to be able to observe the performances on stage, yeah. hear the music in your ears, and not have to look away all the time and not have to have two parts of your brain running at once. Yeah, so I, I think... think I'm sorry, go ahead, Nick. No, I saw a Mozart opera um, a couple years ago, and it was... I don't know. I think it would depend on the opera. This is a stupid thing to say. I'm just getting off on a tangent. Why don't you say what you were going to say, Chris? But I was... Well, right, like, my I'm only point like, there the are game, certain so operas that I think that would be fine to not, you know, just focus on the nuance of the music, but um, a lot of them actually have content that you would want to understand. Like, it was actually a funny opera, you know? And so you would miss out on right, all I of saw that. the Barbara of Seville and the Marriage of Figaro. Yeah, I saw both, the Marriage of Figaro. Both okay, yeah. in English. Yeah. And I thought to myself, I had to watch the super titled. I would not enjoy it at all oh really than I, or i would enjoy it but i would have the affected laughter of an opera audience who's uh, you know who's yeah, not okay you know but whatever that's a separate so, so i think one thing with. that makes opera an interesting case is that an, a lot a lot of the this is this is getting specific and this is the point where it doesn't apply to games but i do want to go back to metro because I, I think that's an interesting um, point you raise um one thing with opera is that it's probably quite different if you're a person who doesn't often see or listen to opera and it's kind of a novelty for you as opposed to someone who is just 
music appreciation is quite important to them. They've heard a lot of operas. They have heard different performances of it. They already know pretty much everything that is actually happening in this thing. So then when they go to see the performance, they want to hear what makes this performance right. special and different and nuanced as compared to another one. So they probably would want to hear it in the original language because it's, right. for them it's not so valuable to necessarily well, – Yeah, are you going to see opera to be entertained by its actual contents or are you going to observe it as a piece of high art? I think. Well, and even contents is a is a subjective term there, right? I guess like I, the English operas that I saw were in a very small theater. They were like mm-hmm. I was right there. I could hear every single word they were saying and it was just like yeah. I, I felt like, oh, I'm probably laughing at this the same way that someone who saw it when it was first performed is laughing at it, which is closer to my experience playing Metro in English, sure. which is, oh, that guy heard someone yelling on the elevator. Anyway. Right. Uh, yeah. But I think I think the thing that makes it tougher to compare to games is that in opera – the music – you. In a game, you're, you generally, most of the time, you play it once and that's about it. You know, or as a piece of music, and this doesn't just apply to opera, this is anything. If you like a piece of music, you're probably going to end up listening to it a bunch of times. So you have time to kind of absorb some of the pure... Yeah, you could right, see you're, it in the, in, you're, in the language that you, you, know, you have and buy the album of the original. You're also, no, I know. You're also coming yeah. at opera, I guess, from a slightly different direction than I was from my, my analogy, which is when those things were first written... Versus how yeah, right. they're enjoyed now, whereas I think when an opera mm. was first commissioned, it was sh- yeah, surely sure. closer to the way like a Broadway show works right now. Sure. Mm-hmm. Where it comes out, a fuckload of people go see it and mm-hmm. are entertained by its contents. And it happens to also be made by people who yeah, are yeah, doing yeah. things that are intellectually very mm-hmm. stimulating and have stood the test of time for that reason. No, but, totally. But there are also albums that I have that I love that are in English that I don't know half the words to because they're just unintelligible to me. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? And that doesn't mean yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm emotionally unable to, to connect to them or relate to them because – and that's the that's the thing I wanted to raise. It's in, intent though, right? Not necessarily. I mean I, this actually right. relates to us. Okay. Specific- Here, here's – Oh, man. Oh, my god. This so, is going to be an amazing seg. You're not, what are you spoiling the seg? Yeah, don't spoil the seg. So I saw a tweet. <laughs> oh, like, you died. A couple of – you son of a bitch. <laughs> You're going to die. Uh I saw a tweet, um, you know, eventually, like everyone will. Yeah. Um, I saw a tweet a couple weeks ago that was. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! You've really come around on Obama. You've gone from just thinking yeah. you were just hotter than Obama in every way. To well, that's from implying that he also is not going to die. So let's right. <laughs> plus one. Yeah. So anyway, you're brilliant. Sig, you saw a tweet. Um, this is not going to be brilliant or interesting or funny, but let's try it anyway and see. <laughs> Um, so Three I, boxes to not check. This is pretty crazy. So I, um, uh, I saw a tweet a couple weeks ago, and it was retweeted by someone you know, on my timeline, so I don't even remember who made it in the first place. And the content of the tweet was uh, how to make a list without referencing the 90s band The Spin Doctors. And then it said one, period, and then just a blank line. Two, period, and then just a blank line. And then princes kneel before you and i was like what the fuck does that mean i don't know what any of this means and i'm like all right so there's a band called the spin doctors and it and they presumably have a song with the line princes kneel before you in it and i'm like what the hell is this and i was like thinking about what kind of song would include the line princes kneel before you and i was thinking of some kind of crazy like hipster prog shit you know like louis the 14th like a band like that that does like crazy concept albums but they're like a kind of Brooklyn-ish, like sort of pseudo glam, weird hipster thing, and I was I was thinking of all these crazy like possibilities for what that line would sound like sung by a band, and I was thinking like, you know, high pitched male vocal with like crazy weird back and forth guitar lines in the background, and then I forgot about it for like a week, 
And then, and then I, and I was like, man, interesting, huh? And then I, um, but the, the thing that was interesting to me was like my made up hypothetical. It wasn't even anything real. It was like, there was nothing, there was no substance to anything in my brain going on as, as is usually the case. And so then I, I just randomly thought of it like a week later and I went on the internet and I searched for spin doctors and I found that song and it's that fucking song that's like, you know that yeah. fucking song? Yeah, the spin doctor. I didn't know it's that. Hit I've heard that song 4,000 billion trillion times in my life because it was everywhere for the entire 90s and I never once knew that's what the guy was saying in it. What was so Ever. great about listening to you tell that story again was that I knew you were going to get to the point. Like when you told me that story, I, I pulled out my iPhone to just listen to the song, but I knew you'd have to sing it. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I know. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was completely – and then I was bummed out for like a day because I'm like, that fucking song, I don't want to hear that song. That <laughs> this is such a waste of a really weird, like suggestive, strange lyric and it's just the most – How dare you? I'm sorry. I don't <laughs> – you can't just appreciate the. This does go. This is an incredible seg. That you can't just appreciate their their lyricism. Only well, no, not the lyricism. I could appreciate the sort of like um, content of the melody, like divorced from. The, but the thing is, because I saw the lyric this first so without realizing what the context when, was, when, I like when you told me that story, you were like, "Well, if anybody's going to know this, it's going to be Sean." Yeah. Well, <laughs> um. Like it allowed me to think of like the theoretical version of that lyric that I seemed like the appropriate version to me, and then once I like it's a lot of gall. It's <laughs> a lot of well, because it wasn't no, it wasn't gall because it wasn't based on anything. I assumed I had not heard the song before. Mm. It wasn't like I. It wasn't when I was thinking of it. It wasn't like oh, I wish it wasn't that. I literally just assumed I didn't know what this song was, and then I realized I did, and it was co- completely the last song I would have assumed it was. And I just never was a – my brain only ever heard that song as like, gar, like garbled nothing. So you, re, you wish it was in the original 90s English when you were listening to it? No. Like, I, when it was written down, I I don't say. know what I wish. I wish I knew <laughs> what that was already so I wouldn't have gotten my hopes up retroactively 20 years in the future. That's what I wish. So if anybody's still listening to this podcast, yeah. uh, so, enjoy so it <laughs> classic hit two princes is why you should play Metro Last Light in <laughs> English and not in its original language. No, For well, what it's worth, you um, I, you swung me with your argument because when you started on this, I was like, "No, I disagree." That was the first thing I said, and then I said, "I know back. you're giving me the smirk." Yeah. I sat back, and then by the time you got done, I went, oh, "I've swung a couple ways yeah. on it because I feel like in, in Metro 2033, at least there there was such a small amount of exposition in that game sure. that I don't feel like it ma- it mattered. But there's all that characters much. talking to you all the time in the first hour of that game. You're on that away mission with the sniper girl. And every five steps, there's a line of ambient dialogue from her, and none of it's repeated. You're talking about Last Light. Last Light. Yeah, sorry. I was, I was oh, saying sorry, in 2033, like, I just feel like there was a lot less of that kind of just ponderous take, like, line after line after line after line of dialogue. Right. And I could be remembering wrong, but, like, I feel like in 20, Metro 2033, the really valuable atmospheric moments for me when I was wandering through the kind of interior city and there was just that the density was just through the roof and there was just stuff happening everywhere. And it was all just kind of washing over me. And it was the tone of the thing right. that was more important than any one specific, like I guess in voice that case, if the performances suck in English, then you do lose out on that, on the atmospheric feeling. But I think that they were trying, I don't know if they're succeeding. Cause again, I've only played the same mm-hmm. goddamn hour that I played last week. Yeah. <clears throat> they were trying very hard to have characters talking to you about very specific things all the time. Yeah. I, and, and that totally makes sense. Um, 
I feel like games, though, are and in and in Last Light, you you might well be right. I need to play more of it as well. I'm terrible also for not playing more of it. But um, yeah, last week we're like we're gonna play the shit yeah, out of yeah, this. Yeah, False. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but I I do think that games, generally speaking, have a strong potential um, to to rely a lot more on the broader atmospheric um, elements that that rely less on like paragraphs of exposition and and lots yes. of you know specific. Um, Just in in this particular no, totally. game, yep. it feels like they they put a lot of value and a lot of energy into the into mm-hmm. the barks being more than barks, even yeah. whether or not they're good or not. I don't know. Yeah, no, I buy that. But mm-hmm. I think you can get yourself lost in the sort of like turning it into an artistic ephemeral experience by it just being so weirdly immersive like you're a person in a foreign country because everyone's speaking Russian, but that's the opposite of the actual artistic intent of the game. Yeah, although so. you shouldn't necessarily worry too much what the intent is if one thing is more successful. If like sure. if one approach is, ends up just being more successful to you, I don't know if how much it matters necessarily what the intent was. That's fair. I mean, if the intent is successful, then that's great, but it, is, it isn't necessarily yeah. always, especially when it comes to um, <laughs> deterministic required narrative content in games. Um, that's often not quite hitting the intent. But I, I'm not saying that specifically to denigrate Metro just right. because so so frequently that stuff is like the biggest weak point in a game. And like right. I almost feel like it's beneficial right. sometimes for, to focus less on it. I'm going to come back next week and be like everything about my interpersonal relationships with these characters just didn't hit and felt like garbage. But I could tell that they, it felt like they wanted me to feel like I was mm-hmm. in the thick of it with this sniper character. But if I was just like, oh, how quaint. It's like she's speaking Russian to me and I'm a visitor to a foreign <laughs> land. I would that, Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. All of that would just be off the table as far as the potential for the game to even ever achieve it because yeah, I chose yeah. to listen to it out of yeah. its native language. Yeah, that's fine. I don't. I don't think you necessarily have to have to go that far. Even I don't understand what you mean about um, the difference between games and films being that you are you know supposedly embodying the player character as opposed to just watching other characters do things. But I don't think you have to take it quite as far as the like completely disconnected like. I'm a stranger in a strange land. This look how quaint it is that they're all speaking Russian. Like I think I think there's a midpoint where your brain does still parse the written word in a way that's at least somewhat more natural than that, right? right. Like it's not fully like ha ha ha. Yeah, how novel. Sure, it just it relegates the story to the HUD. But I hear what you're saying. Anyway, I think we've talked about this well for a million years. Oh, but the story is more than just the word. It's also the facial performance. Like it's a bunch of things, yes. right? Like it's things that your brain is synthesizing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, yeah, games. Mm-hmm. Did now like I Third have... Eye Blind? Third Eye, I, I bought, I remember buying Third Eye Blind's first album when I was in junior high. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just think of 90s bands you could drag through the mud, Chris. I did know the lyrics Big Light Cherry, what do you think about them? I... Silver Chair, pretty good. Oh, yeah. Frog's Goldfinger, also good. <laughs> <laughs> I remember reading the, the booklet in Third Eye Blind's album and it had lyrics in it. And albums didn't always have lyrics in the in the liner, so I remember appreciating that. Was and that was before there was like they that one difficult song that was That was before parts. you could find incorrect lyrical translations <laughs> on every website. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you guys want Sorry I didn't know that Spin Doctor's song. Sorry, right, man. Sorry. Right. Just feel like you were denigrating them a little bit. I was just I just it's built fine, up fine, a weird fine, expectation it's fine, that it's fine. Ended up being completely at odds. It's good with that you were disappointed that it was not some weird uh, sort of proggy hipster band. Well, it's still that song still doesn't sound to me like a song that would have that lyric in it because it's so just like it does. It's just so like look inside it. I tried. I listened to it several times. Okay, 
But I mean, I've also heard it a million times in my life already. It's not like I hadn't heard that song before. I just didn't realize it was that. Go get the original CD. Probably a hipster cover art somewhere you can find. It'll satisfy. I think you're just not hearing the full audio separation that's present to let you truly appreciate these lyrics. So you should buy the CD or better yet, the DVD audio version of it and play it on just. They probably have a DVD. Get a demo of it in a hi-fi stereo storage. I don't know what system I'm going to buy, but I really feel like I this is. I need the Spin Doctors Two Princes. If you have that on 7-inch. Yeah, that's probably the way to go. Then you'll know. You want to do some reader mail from you, the readers? Do we? Yeah, let's do it. I used to play that game, Spin Doctor. Good. What game is that? Oh, it's a Max Shareware game. Yeah, oh, I never really played that. Nice. I enjoyed that. Spin Doctor was, uh, came in the same sort of bundled area or era as Spectre Challenger. Oh, my God. Yes, I had that on the same disc. Yeah, that's like sort of the yeah. Performa era, like the 680-30-040 Performa <sighs> times. Actually, what I would do is I would play those games with my friend while we listen to the radio and call in requests. So we probably requested <laughs> that stupid song while we were like, playing, oh, I'm Spin, playing Doctor. Spin Doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If only the radio would also play Spin Doctor. Right. <laughs> anyway, go ahead and read your mail. It's not my mail. It's our mail. No. It's, it's not any of our mail. It's from mail you, from you, the, the readers. Reader. Derek Traver writes, character oh, hi, customization and narrative. Hey, Thumbs. We recently had a conversation come up on the Unity forums. Do you think allowing character customization of the player character limits the potential depth of a game's narrative? I'm of the mind that it's pretty much just aesthetic, and any story can easily be reduced to pronouns. If it weren't for box art, you wouldn't even know Gordon had a goatee or dope optics. What are your thoughts? Would choosing Nathan Drake's hairstyle and eye color negatively impact the narrative? Whoa, Sean's making Sean, a face. I know. I knew Sean's Sean was going to be the... This just, question was just random and is, I was like, Whoa. no, I think you could totally write a really, really compelling story where you customize your character at the beginning. Yeah. No problem. But then, but then it was the next like, sentence. he's like downshifted yeah, yeah, yeah. into this being like, but it's all bullshit, right? That's, it's two separate things, right? Yeah. You can tell a compelling story where the character is, who their aesthetics are customizable right. by, by the player, but you can't then say, therefore, specificity in story is bullshit. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. yeah two, they are two totally different They're routes. completely different. But yeah, like yeah. You, there's a specific, there's, once you make that choice, right, that they can customize whatever. Maybe you cap it at certain thing it is just hairstyle it is just clothing mm-hmm. whatever it still means that certain things come off the table mm-hmm. right? totally absolutely so you just have to be okay with that yeah just the moment you start making choices about character aesthetics you're writing the story whether you like it or not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so the person who's writing the story for you in the game or writing the other half of the story that you're going to experience this has to keep that in mind you know yeah, it, it has it, to avoid all of those things, or you know exactly. that it's just going to be skirting on ridiculousness. I mean, yeah. The, yeah. you know, right? Yeah. I mean, the less specificity you have, the, that you're that you can be um, confident in, uh, you know, that your character embodies, then the less specificity the character experience that you're telling can have. Like, you know, that I think one thing that is common in games that offer like really broad character customization like mass effect yeah is that the experiences have to be so broad mm-hmm. that they there's really not like shepherd as a character in mass effect is pretty empty in terms of like yeah. any actual real motivations or i mean like you you can just you can give your own little motivation right. and like the choose three motivations mm-hmm. are just sort in of the options or though. hers like i mean yeah. it's it's super it's super um 
uh, broad. Yeah, you know, which is not like impressionist, inherently yeah. terrible for a game like that. But it's it's definitely it never works for me in those games because the the interstellar interpersonal conflicts that I'm experiencing are presented to me as hyper specific, mm-hmm. and I'm like I could be anybody. My face right now looks like I got punched to death. <laughs> <laughs> oh my know? god! Oh my god! Like, YouTube videos of of yeah. bad oh. shepherds are like you know. Some of so like it just feels it totally what collapses. The shit videos. Yeah. Oh god, they're so. Good. Whereas a game that just says that understands that. You're starting off from that really broad standpoint and just makes it a broad sto- a broad story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like like it always. That's that matching right. And I had the same thing in like the fable games and stuff where it's like I can be anything and do any like whatever. I can look like a devil, I can look like an angel, but I'm supposed to care about this person with a very specific name mm-hmm. and they're well. And you're supposed to believe light. they care about you. Yeah, it just feels like give me the broad stuff and then have everything else be sort of um uh, like emblematic of a specific mm-hmm. narrative or something like that i don't know yeah i mean i oh sorry go ahead Jake. oh i was just gonna take offense at the half-life example <laughs> <laughs> why what, do, what about it i think it's true that what gordon does most of the time doesn't have any bearing on his character but i and i do think it's true you don't know that he has a glasses or a goatee until he's on the box but the opening 10 minutes of half-life are mm, as effective as they yeah. are because of the fact that you're building specific context of being a specific person half-life opposing force actually feels different in your motivations than Half-Life 1 because of the fact that Half-Life 1 starts with a bunch of guys in lab coats walking by saying, oh, another, you know, rough day today or whatever. Like, hey, Gordon, how's it going? And you putting on the suit, you thinking you're a cool scientist, then you realizing that you're actually like the shittiest scientist on the totem pole, and then you crawling your way out literally. That would be garbage if it started off with you being, with everyone going, either being silent or saying, Oh hey, what's up, beefy security guy? And your guy starts with three guns or whatever. Like that's a, it's a yeah. very different experience, um, it's, which has nothing to do with character customization. But I think the specificity of the opening of Half Life One is part of why that game was yeah, just so successful, especially in 1998. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. think that that's the thing that it did differently than a lot of other games. Just because the picture of Gordon on the box isn't inside the context of the game doesn't mean it wasn't a designed element. The characters all treat you like you look like the guy on the box. Yeah. God, did you ever see the original Gordon? No. Yeah, with the crazy oh. hair? Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's out of control. It's bizarre. Yeah, it's really what weird. What is the original Gordon? Uh, he just he looks like a like, dwarf from like heavy metal or something. Yeah, he looks yeah, like weird. he looks like he's straight out of heavy metal. Basically, yeah, yeah he's okay. just got like long flowing mane. They said they just, ended up like an insane face. They, so he looks like a character from He looks the, like something from out of Portal quake. 2 graffiti. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Didn't Valve say that they only ended up ever drawing Gordon because of Half Life or because of, <laughs> because of multiplayer? Because oh, they made that game with he, where <laughs> oh, he was no. in it <laughs> because of the multiplayer stuff. Yeah, probably. That sounds yeah, like the thing they would say. The case, but yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I think the answer is yes and no to this guy's mail. Good. Yeah, I'm glad that games Does he allow for both. Unity forums where they talk about that. I'd be interested to read that. Because you're creating a Unity account tonight. <laughs> Who says I don't already have one? Cut to montage of you like running a battle axe on a grinding stone and putting on some goggles. Because you're going to go in and you know like kick some ass, and cleave some heads in the Unity forum. It's funny that I would need goggles for that. Goggles <laughs> just okay. If you're going to go to war on the internet, I think you need a replica Gimli battle axe and some welding goggles. So wait, do I wear the goggles while I'm grinding the axe? Both. You actually you have a mask that you you have a big welding mask that you take off and then you put on some really nice prop replica goggles from some sci-fi movie where someone wears goggles. Hmm. Maybe the mills. That's how that. Yeah, works. we'll have to make some purchases before I'm able to do. You any put on like things. three or four too many belts. Amazon Prime. Yeah, I have Prime. I can do it in two days. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I can get a, a 
grinding stone on Amazon. I didn't get You'd anything on Amazon. Yeah. Amazon sellers. Let's get Dremel on a tiny axe. Brian Temporal says, <laughs> Jake Rodkin demanded this on Microsoft Listen. Um, oh, yeah. Dear Thumbs, you will most likely have seen this Kotaku article and already formulated your opinions. Uh, the article TV is Kotaku, Microsoft thinking about giving you achievements for watching TV. However, do you remember that Jake actually life. predicted Can't this? Wait. I don't have the episode number to give you, but it was in one of the early original podcasts that Jake discussed how great it would be if he could receive achievements for watching films. You have watched Iron Man 10 times was the particular achievement he coveted. Congratulations, Jake. Your video game dream is now everyone's reality. I don't remember the episode, but I think it was around episode three or four. It was when we went to the unveiling of... Oh, maybe it wasn't quite that early, but it was very early. It was when the new Xbox experience came out because that was when mm. the Netflix channel oh, yeah. first showed up on the Xbox right. And we said, what? There's downloadable things on the Xbox that don't have achievements. Yeah. It seems like there should be. And then that echo, it seems like there should be. It seems like there should be. <laughs> it seems like there should be. Managed to. ears. Yeah, it, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> nice one, Jake. I Thanks. bet that Microsoft wasn't planning on doing that. And then they're like, what's this that we found in this old file cabinet? And it's Jay Allard's notebook. And in there it said <laughs> Xbox achievements for Netflix, question mark. And they're right. like. So, some guy looked at that, looked down, looked up, right. looked to see that no one was around, saw Jay Allard's name on it, took a photo of that page and shredded the notebook immediately. Right. <laughs> and now here we are. And under that note, it said Baboo, and there was a drawing of the wizard. Yeah, there's a little tiny puffin <laughs> flying across yeah. the That's page. That's probably not true. Yeah. Um, Nick, you said you had an email you wanted to read to me? Um, I don't know if I can find it. Dear Chris. You didn't flag it? Toothless, flagged? toothless thread there. It is. Yeah. Oh, this one. Chris, you are so Man, cool. Blizzard, God, I, so I don't have my, my Xbox Gold. Oh, I saw it. It you... doesn't exist yeah. anymore. I stopped paying for it. Should but if did? I did and I <laughs> yeah, cared I about my right. achievements, probably... there's only yeah. certain right. movies I wouldn't all right, I watch. Most like, I'd be like, oh, I'm just going to get all the Kurosawa I hope that this is stereo broken because this is just going to be <laughs> unlistenable. <laughs> so this mail... <laughs> anyway. This is weird. I've never read a reader mail on Idle Thumbs. Yes. This is from Jude Jackson. He says, hey, Thumbs. Uh, the subject line is JRPGs. I want to probe into Chris's thoughts on linear narrative games. You've said before that you've recently come to terms with the idea of games eschewing systemic, systemic gameplay in service of strictly linear stories. And you held up Double Fine as a great example of a studio that's come to terms with simply authoring all of its content. Now, I recently played Costume Quest and Middle Manager of Justice, and my eyebrows danced a quizzical dance because they're JRPGs. Personally, I'm fine with that. They're fun, quirky stories wrapped inside a time-killing apparatus. But last I checked, Chris hates J- JRPGs. What's the difference between these garbage, stupid JRPGs Chris hates and the fun little narrative-driven romps that Chris likes so much? Personally, I can think of a few reasons, but I want to put him on the spot. All the rat is to Jude. Um, Say hey, Jude, when you read I know! I, that's what I was thinking about. <laughs> Thanks, Jude, for the question. Hey there. Um, hello. Hello, Jude. I don't know. I feel like that... <laughs> I feel like this is one of the weird things about talking on a podcast at all. It's because you'll say things that like right. you kind of toss off. I don't off. remember like, you hating JRPG. Yeah, I don't think I ever said I hate JRPGs. I do remember that. I do remember you hating JRPGs. So I don't remember you being like, well, Double Fine does linear narrative yeah, no. so well. Yeah. I remember you were saying that. I, Especially not in that, that voice. I don't remember that. Yeah, I'm trying to move like that. I think what I, I, think what I remember saying about that was that games like Costume Quest, for example, I think – so this is a thing I've talked about in more general terms than this specifically – but it's something that has to do with like matching the ambition of the game to the scope of the game. And I feel like this is how I feel about Costume Quest and this is similar to how I feel about like 35 to Loving or something even though it's a totally different kind of game. Where I feel like those games match 
the ambition of what they're trying to do to the scope of how they want to do it. And it's not like the interesting thing about Costume Quest is that it isn't a JRPG. Like it's it's a game that includes turn based um, kind of side versus side basic combat, but only just to the degree that it needs to to achieve the thing it wants to achieve. It doesn't have like a crazy complex level system or like an interminable number of like nodes on a map you have to go to and then come back. Like it doesn't there's a lot of things that a lot of JRPGs have that Costume Quest doesn't have. Costume Quest just says, oh, that's a mechanic we could use to get across the thing we want to get get across. And that's kind of more what I what I what I was trying to get at, I think, with the double fine example is um, that's to me. I love Costume Quest. I think it's a great game, and I to me, I think it's a really great example of of just scoping really smartly in a way that that doesn't take it for granted. Like it doesn't just implement a bunch of of um, extraneous JRPG systems just because someone's arbitrarily decided it's a thing that's called a JRPG, and therefore it has this and this and this and this. Um, and so I think my distaste for a game that is that you someone would call like a full-on JRPG is that so many of them seem to just be saddled with so many um, kind of default elements that like just that genre has and it has them. So there they are and they're all there. And I don't just feel that way about JRPGs. I feel that way increasingly about like first-person shooters and like a lot of genres that feel at this point like they've just been so defined for so long that it's just like gotta put all this stuff. This this is how you're gonna do the whole thing because that's how it is in this genre, and that that in general is just something that I I strongly take issue with. And so I like, and so I feel like I would rather have a game that that gives up a lot of the more systemic stuff if in doing so it's boiling down what it's trying to achieve to something specific and meaningful in that context. Like I I think it's okay to have a game. I mean, obviously, since I worked on it, like I think it's okay to have a game like Thirty Flights of Loving where, as a player, you have very little meaningful um, systemic uh, impact on what's going on. But the what the game is trying to do is not, in my opinion, like hampered by that or bogged down uh, by having too much of another thing. Like it's, I think, scoping not just from a pure like production standpoint, like just number of assets, but also just from a completely abstract design standpoint is really important. And I think genres that get too stagnant and get too defined, um, kind of just a lot of the really valuable part of that, that kind of design scoping just goes right out the window before anyone's even had a chance to talk about it. Like maybe you talk, maybe it's like, Oh, then JRPG, our battle system works this way rather than this way. But are you still just going on the list and checking all the boxes of everything that has to be in a JRPG, even if you're not realizing you're doing that, just because you're starting from so many assumptions? And that happens in a lot of genres now. And it's just I, – I just have less and less patience for that as a general rule because it seems so – like just – I've done it all a million times. Like I've played most genres. I've played a bunch of games in pretty much every major genre at this point. Like I've played a lot of them. I've probably played dozens and dozens and dozens, probably hundreds of hours of all the different major genres. And it's like, I don't know how much more I need of like the obvious execution of all of them anymore, ever. I think that you win the Isle of Thumbs honorary Andy Rooney award for this week. <laughs> I know. That was well, an impressive piece of work. That was really good. You want to, you want to disagree with any of that? No, no. Are you fucking kidding Much me? Much like Andy you Rooney, I find nothing to disagree with. In that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that about does it for this week's Idle Thumbs. I, that's what I was just thinking. Do it. You should listen to Dota today at dotatoday.net. 
Matt. You were just thinking of this, and you had the well. <laughs> I was just thinking. I'm really excited to. Do- <laughs> Idlethumbs.net slash Dota today. That's the one that you probably want on your fucking telephone. Video games. That's Idlethumbs.net slash Dota today. Also, if you enjoy Idlethumbs, please rate us on iTunes because we appreciate the shit out of it. Thanks, guys. Video games. Follow us on Tumblr. Follow us on Twitter. Stop it. Just stop, stop, stop. He was doing a good thing, and then you did a bad thing. Chris sucks. <laughs> I'm surprised. Miley Cyrus is like a beautiful She's woman. She's got some just banging caps. <laughs> what? what? I don't know. What? That's <laughs> well, definitely going into the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, I mean, oh most we, certainly. hanging out tonight? This- hmm? Oh yeah, you guys. Nick's on that side because he needs to bump his chair into that. Hey Nick, what you gotta do? Can I tell you what you gotta do? I need to bump it. My Cyrus got those sweet caps. Caps. I need to bump it. What What am I doing? He wants to. I like it it. though. You know what, Nick? I like the fact that you have this energy. I like that you're determined. I like your focus. I like your bumping. I like your bumping. (laughs) I appreciate your vim. (laughs) Well, I appreciate his vigor. Oh, (laughs) son of a bitch. New who? What about his moxie? I don't know. I'm not so what? Sure. Yeah, kinda, his, Moxie kind of. Moxie and Vim go hand in hand. He's a little iffy on the Moxie I don't know front. About I that. Think. My personal opinion there. But when it comes to bumping. <laughs>